Good morning. We've got a few young people going on retreat to youth camp this week, and we'd like to pray for them before they go. So if you're going on this retreat, down here, right now. Come on, I got a lot to preach about. Your your parents are hungry. And let's get in the center. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are people over there. That's where Jesus is. He's at the center. That's right. So, uh, come this way. Notice how well they obey. <laughs> Would you stand and just stretch your hands out here? Lord, we pray, first of all, thanks for this great treasure that you have put into this body. And we also pray for a protective covering over them as they as they travel and while they're at the camp and as they're coming back from the camp. And then, Lord, we just pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in each one of their lives. I pray, Lord, that you would do things that they've not yet seen. On this, on this camp. I pray, Father, that you'd be present in every meeting, that you'd be present in every com- conversation that takes place, every, every, uh, uh, event that takes place. I pray, Father, that every heart would encounter you during this week that's coming. And I thank you because I know you've heard this prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Don't forget to pray for them this week as well. I mean, don't just go, wow, hey, pastor prayed for him on Sunday morning. So, you know, that's done. Well, no, it's not. Uh, We're talking about living drenched this year, and uh, we're starting a new series this week uh, about uh, worship, living drenched worship. That's certainly a very important component of, uh, of living a life that's drenched. And so would you stand with me and let's read a passage of scripture that I think probably embraces the idea of wet living and worship better than any other passage in scripture. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the power and the life that's in your word. And I pray for the anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit, not just on the words that I say, but on all of our ears as we hear these words. And Father, may they come into our lives and find acceptance so that we may find you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus uh, met a woman at the well in Samaria. Actually, Sychar was the name of the town. And they discussed religion. She didn't know they were discussing religion till they, till they got to a certain point, which is really the best way to discuss religion, uh, is to not necessarily, you know, bring it on, but to kind of, you know, sneak it in until somebody gets a little hungry enough to maybe ask a question. And that's, that's what was happening here. And this woman had come to the well to draw water and Jesus told her that she could have, um, a well of water inside of her so that she wouldn't get thirsty again. And this was very attractive to her because we take, we take water for granted. You know, you go in, you turn the tap on, you, you get you some water. You, you go take a shower. You wash clothes or whatever. You know, you just, you cook with it and, and it's, and it's just right there. But for most of human history, if you wanted some water, you had to go somewhere to go get it. And you probably had to take a pot or something with you to bring it back and water's not very light it's 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 heavy so if you had to go very far and you had to bring very much this was this was a chore and so to hear this guy say hey i I can make it so that you'll never be thirsty again (laughs) well yeah bring it bring it on It, it definitely got this woman's attention and jesus uh jesus then read her mail. He, he received a, a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit and said, well, well go get your husband. And, and she said, I, I don't have a husband. And, and she said, well, that's right. You've had, he said, that's right. You've had five husbands. Uh, the, the man you're living with now is not your husband. And, you know, I don't know if she was a loose woman or if all of her husbands had died or if she was just a bad cook and they all divorced her because that's, that's what you could do in those days. Uh, but, uh, but she realized, hey, this guy, this guy's, this guy's a prophet. He's, he's something special. I've got a question. I've got a worship question. Our fathers worship here on this mountain. Mount Gerizim is what it was. Our, our fathers say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. You Jews say we got to go to Jerusalem to worship. Which is it? I, I, I'd like to know. Now there was a literal answer to that question. Uh, and, and the, and the literal answer basically was this. Uh, I mean, you know, the five cent answer was Jerusalem. But to uh, to, to kind of break that down a little bit, uh, God had said through Moses that he would choose a place to be worshipped. And when David became king, that place was revealed. It was revealed as Jerusalem. And David brought the tabernacle there and, and, and Solomon built the temple there. But 
After Solomon's reign, the kingdom split. And the northern kingdom of, of Israel went with Jeroboam. And the southern kingdom of Judah went with Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And I used to think they were brothers, the Boam brothers, but they, <laughs> but I, I, they weren't. Uh, and Jeroboam got a little antsy because he's going, if, if everybody keeps going down to Jerusalem to worship, I'm not going to be king very long. So worship in the northern kingdom began to get a little squirrely. He, he set up a couple of different places for people to come and worship. Uh, one was in Bethel, one was in uh, uh, Dan, and uh, none of them were were at Sychar, but he set up different places and allowed anybody to be a, a priest. And so people began to worship basically on every high mountain, on every high hill. And then it even got worse because the people of Israel were uh, exiled into Assyria and other people were moved in uh, to, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And they were taught a little bit about how to worship the Lord and they knew a little bit about how to worship the gods that they had. And they uh, just kind of mashed the whole thing together and, and started, started doing whatever. And Mount Gerizim was a, spe- was a special place because it was the place where Moses had, had commanded Israel to pronounce blessings from, but it was never supposed to be the place to worship. So literally there was an answer to the question, but that's not what Jesus said to her. Because the literal answer to the question is rarely the right answer. We, we get so concerned with explaining it. We get so concerned with proving something. We get so concerned with going, well, let me show you, you know, where the, where the I's are dotted and where the T's are crossed. No, that, that wasn't the question she was asking. Jesus went to her heart's cry. And basically her heart's cry wasn't, well, let's have an argument about religion here. Her heart's cry was, how do I worship God? And Jesus said, a time is coming and has now come when it's not going to be a matter of this mountain or Jerusalem. Those who worship God, worship him in spirit and in truth. Whenever you're talking to people and and you're talking to unbelievers in, in particular. Listen for the heart's cry. Let, let the Holy Spirit direct you into what the real question is that's being asked there. What what is really going on there? If we if we could just get out of we could just break ourselves of our habit of trying to explain why we're right all the time and and and, and go for the heart, then the Spirit can move through us. The Spirit can do something. That's how, that's how Jesus did it. Well, there's three things actually in this passage that I want to bring out about worship. And, and the first one isn't actually about spirit and truth. It's that worship is not a matter of where. Worship is, is never a matter of where. There's, there's a tension uh, in regard to the concept of holy space. Within the church, there's, there's, there's a tension from cathedrals and, and, and modern mainline edifices that are built to, to glory barns to Jesus and coffee. Uh, there, that it sort of runs the, the, the gamut of there. Uh, cathedrals, I actually love cathedrals. Uh, we didn't have enough money to build one here. Uh, 
And even if we did, we, we, we really couldn't have gone that way because I'll tell you what, Steve would have hit the drums one time in that place. And it would just carry on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that, that would be that. And that's not necessarily our style of work. But I love these things. And, and you know, some people kind of look down on them. So go, well, you know, it's, it's cold and dry and uh, people aren't there anymore. For generations, fa- families built these things. It took hundreds of years. And, and father would pass on to son and mother to, to daughter the 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 skill needed to glorify God and show the world how beautiful he is through these incredible buildings. And uh, I, Father Ray was telling me why. You notice the floor. They don't have any carpets. Now, it's not because, you know, it's not because they uh, were so far from Dalton, Georgia, that they, that they don't have any carpets. They don't have any carpets intentionally. They don't, they don't have soft edges because if you've got carpet, you know, you can... You can just walk regular. But if you've got a surface like that, every time you put your foot down and it goes, it makes you want to go and walk softly as if you were in a holy place. And the chairs, those chairs are uncomfortable. (laughs) And that's intentional. Because you're not supposed to go to sleep in God's presence. Just remember that as you enjoy your, your chairs this morning. <laughs> Cathedrals, great places. Uh, my, my background really lean, uh, goes more toward the glory barn type thing. And the glory barn is basically a, we don't spend a lot of money on stuff. We are not trying to make it. We just want the presence of Jesus. And you know what? It's great to have the presence of Jesus. That's more important than the stuff. It really is. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, you people, people can, a certain kind of person can walk in and go, whoa, yeah, I feel it. And another kind of person can walk in and go, really? Look at this place. It's, it's a dump. Is that the way God does? I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there's a tension there. I can see it, it kind of going both ways. And then, and then there's the, the coffee with Jesus people. And, and when I found this picture, I, I was kind of, you know, he kind of looks like Billy Crystal. I never knew Jesus looked like Billy Crystal before. It's the eyes, I think, and sort of the grin kind of thing. The, the beard covers it up. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people who kind of feel like, well, you don't really even need to be, you know, you just, let's just go hang out with God. You know, and, and that's cool if you actually do it. Now, you know, the, the problem that I've seen with it is a lot of, a lot of people who decide this is the way I'm going. Well, they go that way and then it stops. Yeah. Find out that hanging out with God, I, well, I'll do it next week. I'll, I'll do it next, and next week turns into next month, which turns into next season. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, all three of these are right. All three of these have strengths. All, all three of these have, have, uh, have, have things about them that are, that are important. The point I'm trying to make is that actual worship takes place everywhere. And sometimes it's actually even worship of the living God. 
that is taking place everywhere. If if your idea of worship is, well, I, it's great to, I, I think it's very important to get together with the body of Christ. I, I mean, if, if I didn't do this on a regular basis, uh, I, I, the kind of person I am, my, my life would just start going, you know, flying in all kinds of different directions. I need this to center me. I need it virtually every week. In fact, I, I'm, let me, uh, I actually wasn't going to say anything about this, but I did an early service, and so I'm going to end this service. Uh, I've been asked by several people if I was going to address any of the uh, events that have taken place this, this past week, especially on Friday with the Supreme Court decision being handed down. And, uh, and my knee-jerk reaction is no, because you've thought about it a lot. And probably a lot more than you've thought about Jesus since Friday. And I feel like my job is to recalibrate and refocus and get our hearts tuned back into him. I had a, I had a lady after the first service come to me and as I was sharing this in the first service. She said, I'm really glad you said that. She said, you know, uh, when when uh, when that decision came down on Friday, man, my heart just hurt and I was just feeling crummy. And and then I thought, I'm going to turn the radio off. And I'm going to turn on my worship music. And she did. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court decision is not going to change the way you live your life. Okay? And if you didn't see it coming, you hadn't been looking. And thirdly, it probably is not going to change in this country. And you got, you were, you were instructed to love and share grace on Thursday, and that did not change Friday afternoon. You're still instructed to love and share grace. And if you've got upset about it, the only place you're going to find peace is not on the Internet, is not on your local news station. The only place you're going to find peace is where the only place peace is. In the kingdom of God and his presence. And so that's what you do. It's so important to come together. When, when we're out and we're isolated, we get picked off pretty easily. But we come back and we, and, and we recalibrate. And so, yeah, it's a, but if this is the only thing, if this is the thing each week that you look at and go, well, that's my worship, then you're not a worshiper. Because worship happens everywhere, all the time. The word worship, and, and a lot of you know I'm not really a word wonk. I, I, lo I love words, but I rarely, uh, you know, uh, address them. But, uh, but the word worship actually has its root in the, in the word worthiness. Things that we consider, to, we worship something we consider worthy. In, in fact, the, uh, the, the old English initially was worthship. Something's worth ship 
is what we what we worship. And so it's it's something that's worthy of our attention. It's something that's worthy of our resources. It's something that's worthy of our time and our talents and and and, and our endeavors. That's that's what worship is. And obviously there are things that we need to give time and resources and attention to that don't actually enter the realm of worship, but virtually anything can enter the realm of worship. Jesus addressed quite a few of these things in Scripture, and he said, don't seek them first. Seek God's kingdom first, and let these things be the add-ons, rather than seeking these things first, and then letting God's kingdom be the add-on into your life. That was very profound. I don't know. There, those, I'm not, you know, I'm not a clothesline sermon type guy because people don't have clotheslines anymore. But uh, th- those things that we worship are the things that rise to the top in motivating our lives. And for some people, uh, you know, food, you, you, can, you can get to where you worship food. I mean, what do you, you know, if you spend most of the day kind of thinking, man, I deserve a break, you know, or, or something like that, or you just finish a big meal and you're kind of going, I wonder what I'm having for dinner, you know. We have a tendency to do that. You know, food can that, uh, you know, I, clothes. Some people have prayer closets. Other people worship in their closets, but it's not anything to do with prayer. When we were in Zimbabwe, um, back in the mid eighties, uh, things were really rough in Mozambique and there would be refugees coming across the border from Mozambique and they would be like scarecrows. I mean, skin and bones with nothing covering the skin and bones because they had no clothes. And the Zimbabweans would, uh, would take up, uh, <coughs> clothes drives for the refugees coming in from Mozambique. And, and I would just kind of, I, I would, I, it would, it was really moving to me because the Zimbabweans didn't have a lot of stuff. Very often it was kind of like, I got two shirts. This guy's got none. Here, here's one of them. It's just like, like Brad was talking about. I mean, it was like Jesus. It's like John. It's like what they said to do. I got two pairs of pants here. Here's, so I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I bought this vest this week. I mean, you know, I spend money on clothes and it looks good on me. That's why I bought it. <laughs> but, uh, But God and I talked about it, you know. <laughs> Sports, anybody? You know, I like the Titans, okay? But you know what? If they if they have a kickoff at, at noon, we've got a nine o'clock service. Amen. And if and, and if you only get there an hour early, you will be able to eat a hot dog before the game starts. You know, I uh, okay, never mind. Just, just, just not going to go there. Uh, media. I mean, you know, we get, we get so, so taken up. And, and I, I, I like media. It's, it's, it's great, you know, but it, you know, a lot of people, uh, let's just, let's just go back to Friday. Okay. For a second. You know, if you, if you turn to God, you're going to find peace. If you turn to Facebook, your whole week shot. We don't even need it. <laughs> Not even talking about money. We usually call these things obsessions. 
rather than worship. But unless it's under the genuine awareness and of the presence and the grace of God and the direction of God, it's probably an unhealthy, unhealthy obsession at worst and, and, and at best and worship at worst. The question is whether we control these things or they control us. And can, can you take it or leave it? You know, can you can you take it or leave it? And the point is that worship can and does take place anywhere. It's happening. It's just what you're going to worship. What you're going to worship here. What you're going to worship when you're out there. Yeah. So, it can take place anywhere. And those who worship God must worship Him in spirit. Uh, several weeks ago, I, I mentioned this. I was talking about um, dark energy, dark matter. Um, dark energy being and dark matter being those things that you cannot see. And uh, theoretical physicists claim that uh, somewhere between 73, 75, depends on whose uh, uh, graph you look at, uh, a percent of the entire observable universe is dark energy. It's stuff that you can't see. And then dark matter is, is, is another uh, over 20%. And the, and the things that you can see, the atoms, it's only 4%. And of that 4%, 90% of that is gases. So really, the, you know, the things you actually see, it's only about four-tenths of a percent of what exists in the observable universe. Now, why am I talking about that? There is a spirit realm. There is, there is stuff out there that you can't see. The spirit, the spiritual is invisible. And you've got a spirit. When you look in the mirror, what you see looking back at you is not really you. And you know it. I, uh, I'm doing a, a play up in Nashville, and there are a lot of people in it, and I'm the oldest one. And, uh, and there's another guy there who thought he was as old as me, but he was wrong. He just looks older than me. Uh, and, and, and we were talking, we were talking, uh, the other night, and, uh, you know, and he said, in, in my, in here, I'm still 30. I still, he said, I still feel 30. And I said, well, you, you, you feel 30 in there. You don't feel 30, you know, like these places. But, uh, physically you don't feel it. But I, but I know what you mean. You know, inside of my head, uh, every now and then I'll, I'll see an old guy walking down the street or, or shopping or doing something. And I'll go, look at that old guy. <laughs> and then it'll occur to me. That there may be some people out there who mistake me for looking like that. <laughs> Maybe because they're just seeing the physical. In order to truly worship God, you've got to see the unseen. You have to look beyond the natural and the things that, that, are in the, uh, that are in this world. Jacob, the son of Isaac, was a rascal. I mean, he was, he was a rascal. He wasn't the kind of guy, you know, don't turn your back on this guy. He'll get you. And yet he was the one who was selected. He was the one who was chosen. He was the one who became Israel. He was the one that the, that the line of Messiah came through. Why? I mean, Esau, Esau was a good guy. He was, you know, he was the eldest. 
hail, hearty, well met. If you're going to move, Esau's the guy you call to help you, help you move. He, he'd be the one that do that. So why, why was Jacob chosen? Because Jacob could see the unseen. Esau comes in from hunting. There's a, there's a bowl of stew there. He, and, and he goes, man, I need some of that stew. And, uh, and Jacob says, well, that's great. I'll give you some of this stew if you'll sell me your birthright. And Esau goes, well, birthright? You can't eat a birthright. Can't even see a birthright. What good is that to me? I'm, I'm going to die. I need this bowl of stew right here. So Jacob goes, deal. And the Bible says Esau ate the stew. He left and despised his birthright, despised the things that were invisible. Jacob knew what a blessing was worth, knew what the birthright was worth. He, 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 he could see, and he wasn't the only one. Later on, it says over, it says over in Hebrews concerning Moses, it says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He was unable to do the things he was called to do. He was able to persevere in in spite of tremendous obstacles because he could see the invisible. And that's not the only place. Colossians says the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. Later on, Paul is writing to to Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wayne was, uh, was talking last week about uh, the passage in Romans where it talks about God's attributes can be seen through the things that he's created. They can only be seen through the things that he's created if you can see the invisible. Otherwise, all you see is stuff. And in order to worship God, we've got, we, you, we've got to go there. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is seen is temporary. The Supreme Court will pass away. The laws of the land will pass away. This land will pass away. This church won't be here someday. But what is unseen is eternal. That's, that's the stuff that lasts forever. And that's why it's called the faith. If you if you've got if you've got to have answers for every one of your questions, watch Jeopardy. But if you want to worship the living God, it requires faith, which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are invisible, so that we know that they're there. And so we must worship Him in spirit, and we must worship Him in truth. Worship isn't always what it appears to be. Isaiah, the Lord spoke to the prophet Isaiah and said, these people come near me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules and that they've been taught. They're just doing stuff. It's not from my heart to the heavens. Jesus be the sinner. It's just a song. And the prophet Amos even gets, even gets a little more tense with it than that. 
The Lord spoke to Amos and said, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings. I won't even notice your choice peace offerings. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I won't accept your worship. Your worship's not acceptable to me. Away with your uh, rosy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. And that doesn't take place in this room. It takes place out there. That's where it happens. To, to worship Him in truth has to be a matter of the heart. Jesus said to the very religious people of His day over in Matthew, uh, He said, Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. God will accept those who aren't necessarily able to follow all the rules. Maybe they don't know all the rules, but whose hearts are right. Over in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 30, King Hezekiah decided to celebrate the Passover. The Passover hadn't been celebrated in, 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 in uh, decades. Actually, it hadn't been celebrated in over 100 years. But he found out they were supposed to be doing it, decided to celebrate it in the time, and it was supposed to happen in the first month uh, of the year, but by the time he found out, there wasn't time to get it together for them, so they decided to do it in the second month. And it was even worse than that, because they sent, they sent word to the northern kingdom, the exiles who had come back, and uh, some of those people came, and, and they hadn't purified themselves. They, they weren't ceremonially pure. They weren't supposed to be able to eat of the Passover. But Hezekiah decided that they would do it anyway. And this is why. Because he prayed this prayer. May the Lord who is good pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they're not properly cleansed for the ceremony. Hezekiah knew something about the Lord. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed his people. Because their hearts were right. When you seek me with a whole heart, you will find me. He said. And this is, this is important in living drenched because you become what you worship. You become like whatever it is you worship. So to live drenched in the Lord, you have to worship the Lord over in Psalm. This isn't just my idea. Over in Psalm 115, those who, he's talking about idols. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. If your trust is in money, you become like it. Say, you become like money. Yeah, you know, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. Or, you know, well, I deserve it because I did it, and they don't deserve it because they didn't do it. You know, or I want more of it because they don't deserve it and I deserve it. Oh, come on. You can't live free that way. You got the wrong, you're worshiping the wrong God. Wrong, the wrong things going on. If you become, if you worship food, yeah. If you worship clothes, you, you know, you become a clothes horse. You know, that's, that's all, that's all it is about. 
If you worship the living God, then something becomes real inside of you. In fact, it works both ways. You don't just become like bad stuff that you worship. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. With ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And what, what, what is his image? He's merciful. He's long-suffering. His, his, his steadfast love never comes to an end. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy encompasses his kingdom. That sounds like living drenched to me. And so as we worship him, as we focus on him and begin to turn, consider him to be worthship, worthiness of that kind of attention, then something transformative happens in our lives. And we begin to, without even noticing it, without even trying, because we're going toward him, we begin to become free. We begin to become joyful. We begin to have peace in our lives. We begin to be able to, to let the grace of God flow to others. It's going to be a good series. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And would everybody who needs prayer come and be prayed for? I don't know. You know what? Why? I I I I don't I don't see things happening in people sometimes. Well, things do happen. Okay, take take my word for it because I I do hear about it. But you know what? Even if you don't see it, you've got to reach into the invisible. I'll see it for you. I mean, the world's a mess, and you may be a mess too. But God came to sort all that out, and you got to go to Him to get it. So if you need prayer, you come. You come. If you don't, worship with us for a while. Let it come from the heart. Worship with us for a while. Make my heart an altar, Lord, I give it now to you to hold. Make my heart an altar to your name.
Shadow everything else so that you may become like him. 